Before we get started, we'll give a little shout out to our sponsor, Strange Adornments. She creates these absolutely beautiful rope necklaces with bones and beads. They're fantastic. I own three. Her products are so amazing. They sell out very quickly and you have to be very fast when you get to her site. Find her at Strange Adornments on TikTok and Instagram, S-T-R-A-N-G-E-A-D-O-R-N-M-E-N-T-S. Beautiful work. I have several of her pieces. So if you're into strange, kind of dark, esoteric jewelry, check her out. The Devil's Dirt Star podcast was created for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Greetings from the Devil's Dirt Star, a podcast for the esoteric and strange. I just picture that one TikTok, you know, (laughs) you did a TikTok with, um, what's his face? That wrestler. And he's like, I did. Yeah. Is it John Cena? Oh, do you know what I'm dancing? I thought you mean, I did it with a wrestler and I was like, do I know any wrestlers? Well, now we got to redo the TikTok with him. Yes. So uh, welcome back, Dirtlings, to the Devil's Dirt Star. I'm your host, Big Spoon, and I'm here with my co-host, Ellsworth. Hello, hello. I got a question for you, Ellie. Hmm. When do you wash your hands? Only at 2 p.m. on Tuesdays. I was just going to tell you that this is a judgment-free zone, but get out of my house. So uh... (laughs) They're already all over your table. What's happening? What? (laughs) What's happening at 2 p.m. on Tuesdays? That's when I wash my hands. That's when I take my <laughs> weekly dump. <laughs> you need to see a gastroenterologist immediately. <laughs> well, I am for starters. Quite literally right on schedule. <laughs> I'm so regular. <laughs> like you got to have no plans. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, so I like to wash my hands when I'm cooking. I wash mine... Quite a lot, actually, because I'm like, too. I also, I think I have, maybe it's just a paranoia thing, but I think I have sweaty hands. So I'm constantly washing them out of fear that they're sweaty. Oh. I might be just making them sweaty. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But no, yeah. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like when my hands do feel like any kind of damp moisture. Yeah. 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 Or if I'm like, if I'm working on my iPad and I notice that I'm, I seem to be leaving fingerprints more than I usually do. Like sometimes it's like, you don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yep. No, nope. yep. I totally get that. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Like I was saying earlier, taking out the garbage, I go and wash my hands. And, yes. You know, always or after walking the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, Although sometimes if I'm making dinner for myself, I will pet the dog in between stirs and I don't usually wash my hands after. If I'm cooking food for other people, I do. But like, yes, I am crazy when it comes to cooking food for other people, like any work event and I'm making stuff, I'm washing my hands Almost I'm usually in between. cracked by the end of it because I'm like so wor- I'm also yeah. very worried all the time and I'm sure it's happened and I just have to pretend it doesn't but I, about getting pet hair in food that I give Same. other people because Durden just there's hair everywhere there's nothing I can do about it John and I vacuum twice a day we dust all the time I'm sure that I've given you food with dog hair in it and I'm sorry but there's nothing I can do about it actually I don't think then so you just ate it <laughs> well then it you cooked it happened. to a high heat yes. point and I'm sure that He's it was a clean fine boy <laughs> He gets regular baths, but yeah, I'm always so paranoid about like accidentally getting dog hair on people's food. Same. I clean all the surfaces first, all that stuff. But 
the thing is, what we're going to talk about today, bugs. <laughs> but not the fun bugs. kind. Not the yes. kind you can pin on the wall. Little the tiny kind that make you poop bugs. yourself to death. Like, yes. Salmonella and Terica. Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> Good stuff. And yeah. hand hygiene was not really a super common thing back at the turn of the 19th. No. The, yeah. 20th century. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. So I understand why it was not a common practice for everybody, whether, you know, if you're a domestic servant, yeah. for example, to not do that because germ theory wasn't really a thing. No. So yeah. I get it. You're going to tell me about a gentleman today that was kind of, it seems like some type of catalyst for yeah. hand washing or he made some type of discovery realization. There are some people who call him a martyr. Um, I don't, I think that might be a little extreme, but he a certainly bit. suffered for his beliefs or for his discoveries. Some might say that he suffered because he had not an agreeable attitude and was difficult to work with. Um, but he was correct in his determination as to what was making people unwell. So we'll jump into it. Um, we are going to talk about Ignaz Semmelweis. He was a obstetrician from Hungary in oh, okay. the mid, early to mid 1800s. So According to the Journal of Royal Society of Medicine at the Vienna Maternity Hospital from 1923 to 1932, which is when post-mortem examinations were routinely carried out, the maternal mortality rate was 53 per 1,000 deliveries. In 1840 to 1846 at the same hospital, when they began performing autopsies regularly on the same floor. So in this hospital, I guess I'll first clarify, there were two wards. There was the primary ward and the secondary ward. In the primary ward, that is where the doctors and medical students worked. In the secondary ward is where the midwives and midwife practitioners students worked. Okay. In the primary ward, when they began doing autopsies, the maternal mortality rate was 98.4 per 1,000 births. By comparison, in the secondary clinic, it was 36. Did you just say 98.4? Yes, per 1,000, which is a huge death rate. That's enormous. It's enormous. And what makes it even crazier is a number of those deaths were actually not counted. So it was actually probably higher. And this is something that Semmelweis actually noted in his... So he wrote a book about his findings in 1861. And in this book, which was a little tough to get through, um, but I did it for you guys. Uh, you actually book, wrote a book for I it? <laughs> I always yes. do. There's always at least one. I know. Oh my so God. In the, it, was, it was a brief. It wasn't a, a huge book. Yeah. But, so in his findings, he noted that if someone was extremely ill, sometimes they would take them to the general hospital and they would die there. So the death rate was actually probably higher than 98.4 per thousand because if they died in the general hospital, their death was counted as a general hospital death. Oh, statistics can be skewed. Yep. Oh. And, and not necessarily saying it was intentional, but it did it did skew the data a little bit. Yeah. And a majority of these deaths were from something called postpartum infection or peripheral fever, which is essentially sepsis. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. a very deadly infection of your reproductive organs, usually within three days after birth or abortion. Wow. So this is not a disease that's necessarily tied to the quote unquote olden days. It's still something that people die from today, yep. um, especially in areas that may not have perfect hygiene practices. So when you think basically we'll round up to a hundred out of a thousand births 
right. led to the death of the mother. And often if the mother died, the child also did of this fever, Yeah, which is a huge amount. So on July 1st, 1846, Semmelweis was appointed as an assistant at this first maternity clinic. And it was here that he noticed there was a massive difference in mortality rates between women who were giving birth in the primary clinic versus the secondary clinic. And in his, in the publishing of his findings, he actually mentions that he believed the mortality rates were actually higher again, because a lot of the high mortality patients would be taken to the general hospital and then their deaths would not be counted as within the Vienna hospital. It was not an immediate understanding. So we have to understand that in this era, microbiology wasn't really a thing. We didn't understand germs. Miasma was a very common belief as to the cause of illness, meaning basically that smells could make you ill. Anyone who's entered the bathroom after John knows that it is true and it can happen. Haven't done it yet. You don't want to. You will leave diseased. <laughs> you will leave with sepsis. <laughs> but, you know, as we know now, you a bad smell is not going not gonna to kill you. But no. for a long time, we thought it would. The Black Plague was blamed yes. on miasma, cholera outbreaks, all those things we thought. And it makes sense to an extent when you think decaying matter leads to death, exposure to decaying matter. They're so close to getting it right, but just hadn't figured out the microbiology yet. So there were several other hypotheses that were considered over, it took, it took him about a year before he realized what the cause was. I'm going to list a few of these hypotheses because some of them were crazy. Um, one of them included <laughs> religious practices, not necessarily that the practice itself was killing people, but he noted that during, you know, during the practice of last rites, if someone's super ill, the priest would come and the priest is followed by a sacristan who rang a bell, which if they're coming multiple times a day to the hospital to perform last rites to people that can be very demoralizing to other patients. So the belief was like, maybe we're kind of, they're giving up the will to live because they're just constantly hearing priests coming in and like, Oh my God. Can you imagine? Yeah. So he actually, he actually mentioned that, but then he was, you know, well, it's not, if, if it's happening in both the primary and secondary wards, then that can't be what it is. Exactly. And so then another hypothesis that he dismissed was that the demographic that the hospital served were people who are more likely to die. So they took in um, primarily single women in desperate circumstances. So women who were working themselves to death while they were pregnant, they were often, you know, experiencing malnutrition. They were starving. They were not having support of a spouse or a loved one or family. And so they were saying that's why they were dying. However, both wards took in the same kind of demographic. So that couldn't be it. He also dismissed the quote unquote rougher handling by male doctors hmm. saying, you know, the doctors tended to do maybe more invasive procedures, but he was saying if a hand or a speculum inserted into the vagina caused enough trauma to kill the mother, then a baby going through would be killing every mother. So that can't be it. Right. Yeah. That wouldn't make any sense. Also, that's smart. Yeah. <laughs> there's a few there's a few of these where so he he definitely had a little sass and you can read it in his book. That's sassy. Yes. Yeah, so there's the, I'm going to save the best one for last because I'll directly quote him. There's a a pretty funny suggestion that some some people had and he shoots oh, it down. God. There's another ridiculous idea that the death rates were higher because of the quote unquote offense to modesty incurred during the presence of males at delivery, which he said is ridiculous. It's not, he couldn't even put a connection as to why having men in the room would lead to a higher cause of death. Like died from embarrassment? Basically. And and he (laughs) he said, to those familiar with the Viennese maternity hospital realize patients are troubled by fear, not by offended modesty. 
Yes, I think that's fair. When you're in pain, you don't care who's seen no. you naked. You're no. in pain. Another thing that he brought up, which just thinking about this hurts me because just imagining, you know, you have, I know a lot of women tear and experience severe injury during birth. It's unfortunately not uncommon. So three hours after birth, the woman would have to walk from the delivery bed to their hospital bed. So there's a delivery room. There was a glass walled corridor leading to the ward that they were staying in. And he said that couldn't be it because both primary and secondary wards had the same issue. You had to walk from the delivery room to the ward. So that wasn't it. Another, this is my favorite one. There were people who thought that the cause of death was a result of the act of conception itself. So that the penetration, that some semen was dirty, whatever, that's what led to the ultimate infection and then death. Nine months later? Yes. So this is an exact quote from his book. I suspect that I am not misinformed in claiming that those who delivered in the second clinic must have also conceived. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's spicy. He's he's very, he's spicy. He's very salty. Did not take criticism well. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So, and, and there's another thing again, era of miasma of miasma being a cause of illness or belief that miasma caused illness. A lot of the higher ups in the hospital believed that ventilation was the cause for these higher deaths. They had to open windows to get air to circulate. But again, that's a big thing. This was an issue in both clinics. So pretty much everything he lists, he dismisses by saying it applies to both clinics. The only thing that didn't was the modesty thing, which as he pointed out was fucking ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) No woman's going to die of infection after yeah. yeah. I think it's really cool though that he's just he's recognizing this and trying to go through a process of elimination. Yeah. yeah. In order to figure out what it is. And he did. He 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 very much went through a scientific method of like of addressing every potential issue of yeah. looking at and comparing the differences between the two wards. And the thing is, it wasn't this method of comparison that led him to realizing it was the poor hand hygiene. So in March of 1847, a professor at the hospital, Jacob Kolechka, died after having his finger pricked by a student during an autopsy with a knife that had been used on a cadaver. Oh, shit. He promptly contracted lymphangitis and phlebitis, meaning inflammation of the veins and lymphatic vessels, and then died of pleurisy, pericarditis, perontitis, basically... Lots of inflammation and fluid around important organs and he drowned in his Dude, own Dude, yeah, no. The amount of fluid that can be pulled off of a body when that happens. It's, it's incredible. It's crazy. You drown in your own juices is, is really what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, that must have been so painful. It sounds like it was pretty quick, <laughs> unfortunately. Oh. I mean, I guess fortunately for him, but yeah. yes. So Semmelweis noticed that Kolechka had died in the exact same way that all of these women and infants were dying all the exact same symptoms. And what made this breakthrough is he knew the cause of Kolechka's illness. So the woman there couldn't really figure out what the cause was because it was happening to all these women, but they knew that Kolechka was wounded from this knife that had been touching a cadaver and that's when he got ill. So they had a causation for the illness. So he put two and two together and he also noticed, so he figured the what was the phrase? The cadaverous particles, quote unquote, is what was making people ill. And he also noticed that they did wash their hands. It's not that they weren't washing their hands, but they washed their hands with soap and water, which is not enough. And he knew it wasn't enough because he said after students would perform an autopsy and they'd wash their hands with soap and water, their hands still stunk like a corpse, which meant the cadaverous particles were still on their hands. Yes. So 
he realized that students and doctors were working with autopsies and, and corpses that certainly had lots of nasty bacteria in them, washing their hands with soap and water, still having nasty, stinky cadaver hands, and then putting their dirty old hands all over these women's genitals where the cadaverous particles, again, quote unquote, would be absorbed into the woman's bloodstream. That's blowing my mind. Because I literally thought they weren't washing their hands in between or maybe just like a rinse of water, you know, in a ceramic or porcelain bowl kind of thing, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. So, so they weren't necessarily, again, germ theory wasn't a thing. They didn't really understand that stuff. It had been touched upon. They were getting close to it, but they didn't fully understand it yet. They're getting close to the idea, but not quite getting it. So he realizes that's what it was. And then again, close to them, almost understanding it, this is a direct quote. This seemed all the more likely since I knew that when decomposing organic material is brought into contact with living organisms, it may bring on decomposition. So he's recognizing that rot can be transferred essentially, just not understanding why. So he instituted the hand-washing policy. And so instead of just washing your hands with soap and water, he made them wash their hands with silver. Is it silver? It's not silver. <laughs> okay. I, can't, I can't find where I wrote it, but it was some... Give me one second. Chloride of lime. So he had the students not only wash their hands with chloride of lime, but brush under their fingernails before entering the maternity ward. And after initiating that policy, which was again shortly after, I think he instituted the policy in May of 1847. In 1848, the mortality rate had fallen from 98.4 per 1,000 in the primary clinic to 12.7 per 1,000. So even lower than it was in the midwife's clinic. That is a very clear massive direct correlation. So wait, did he also make it so that the midwives clinic were also scrubbing their hands? They with? ended up having, I think both wards do it once they, ah. went, or he tried. <laughs> so holy crap. <laughs> this, this was effective. Um, and, and again, this is before we had any understanding really of microbiology and the pathogens that are involved in illness. Miasma was the going theory. They were still bleeding people. They thought even, you know. <laughs> Nothing's changed there. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> so, oh my God. Um, because this was the era of miasma and there was no understanding really of the pathogens that caused illness. Although, interestingly enough, I remember learning this in Liberty's Kids and then I looked it up. <laughs> Liberty's Yeah, Kids. I used to love that show. So in 1798, Edward Jenner created the first vaccine with smallpox in 1798. So there, there was some understanding of this microbiology because the first vaccine was utilized in 1798. And this was, you know, 50 years later. Right. No, nothing really more came of vaccines or anything like that until I think the 1870s. So there was a gap in the further development of vaccines. But again, we're getting there. We're starting to understand these things. However, despite the very clear evidence that this worked, he was not taken seriously. A lot of his colleagues actually went out of their way to kind of skirt his recommendations and just dismiss what he had come to prove. What was the end game there? Why? Well, a lot of them felt insulted. So he oh. he was notoriously a prickly person. Okay. When people would ask him why, instead of just patiently explaining the things that he had discovered. He more or less, again, history is written by the winners. He was not a winner at the end of his life. So take it with a grain of salt, but he essentially insulted people. He took it personally. If they asked him why he would get very defensive and very nasty. And also the doctors, you know, it was considered a very holy profession and they were very insulted at the idea that it was them who was causing the death. 
So they didn't want to take that accountability. There was definitely ego involved and laziness because if these changes were instituted on a, um, if they were created on an institutional level, so much would have to change. They'd have to run plumbing and sinks into all these different rooms to make, make it functional for them to do it. It would be more expensive because they'd have to buy the chlorine of lime. So they, they fought it along with the ego of it couldn't be me. I'm a doctor. I save lives. I'm not causing deaths. And he, he, he was very salty about it being fought in, in the first page, in the, in the preliminary, what's it called? In the, in the preface of his book, he specifically states that although he is adverse to all polemics, so meaning, I'm trying to think of how to describe that, in an insulting paper on someone, you know, what most news is today, yeah. um, that he left, quote unquote, numerous attacks unanswered. Throughout his book, you can tell he's very salty about it. Again, I understand why. However, he made these discoveries in 1846, and he didn't write his book until 1861. Oh, God damn. So he didn't really come out with his evidence. He just kind of expected everyone to go along with it. And while he was correct, that's unfortunately not the right way to institute change. More flies with honey. You know, you got to be agreeable when you share these things. You can't just be like, listen, you dumb, dirty doctor. You got to wash your fucking hands. (laughs) Dirty doctor. God, I love alliteration. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. Had he kind of done other things to spread the word? I mean, I get it. He was the one doing the work. He figured out the reason why and everything made sense. So here's the evidence. Why don't you fucking believe me? Yes. I get that. But if you are a prickly pear. Yes. When you're trying to explain something to someone or making people feel stupid or less than you got to find a different way to explain things to people if you think they're going to internalize it that way too. Yes. Um, not that I'm saying like the older I get, the less I like to sugarcoat things. I just want to like, Same. Let, let's yeah. skip that. Let's just talk about just the thing. Waste time. I don't need to kiss your ass. Yeah. You and then we'll all feel kissed. better about it. Yeah. Cause he's a doctor too. Yeah. So he gets it. He yeah. understands. He's not saying that he's outside of this problem. He's part of it. And he's trying to solve it. There's actually a, another direct quote from the book where he said, Basically saying that I'm not trying to attack other doctors. I understand. In consequence of my conviction, I must affirm that only God knows the number of patients who went prematurely to their graves because of me. So he takes, uh, he yeah. takes and admits this is, this is an us problem, not a you problem. It's an us problem. Yeah. However, he definitely was a little petty and a little prickly. And again, it sounds like when people would ask why, Instead of saying, this is the evidence that I have. Would you like to look over my documentation? He was like, you fucking idiot. This is why. Why don't you listen to me? Yeah. Um, again, according to people who didn't like him. So taking it with a grain of salt, uh, there is also evidence that he was not mentally well. I don't know at what point the mental illness began to, it made it, maybe he was struggling with stuff always. Mm. And I, I imagine the rejection probably made it a lot worse. So are we talking depression, anxiety? Worse. Oh. There, there is a lot of belief now that he might've been struggling with early onset Alzheimer's. Oh no. So not a nice person to be around, especially near the end of his life. Uh, yeah. He, after he wrote this book in 18, so after he instituted these changes and got pretty much dismissed and argued against by his doctors, he lost his position shortly after and returned home to Budapest where he became just increasingly worse. He ended up taking an unpaid position, was not very happy with his life. He published this book in 1861 and it was not well received 
first of all, it's very clear, at least to me as a reader with hindsight, that this book was written out of spite. <laughs> like, it was, there is definitely an undertone of rage. Understandable. I can, yeah. I can imagine looking at the death rates and saying, this is very clear. And, and there are actually places where he went to work after he left the hospital in Vienna, where it was gross essentially. And he didn't want to work there because the hygiene was so bad. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Especially after obtaining the understanding that he had. And he still, he believed in miasma. There are times where he actually specifically mentions cases where he thinks that that caused deaths of other patients. But he proved something. But he He proved something. He had a theory and he fucking proved it. Yes. And even if his understanding of it wasn't a hundred percent, I think it was cadaverous particles is just a less understanding way of saying pathogens. Yes. You know, that's what it was. He just didn't know yet. But yeah, so he writes this book, which ruffled more feathers, despite the fact that he did say, you know, like I went back to that quote of saying, this is something that all of us have done. We, we have all killed patients out of lack of understanding. And I have to imagine in this time period, it must have been very frustrating as a doctor having to deal with so much death and some of it coming from your own hands, That's whether you rough. realize it or not. And as these discoveries were coming out and realizing more and more about these doctors, you know, the 1800s was an era of a lot of discovery. So starting to realize how many deaths were caused at your own hands, whether, you know, unintentionally with good intentions, you're, you're doing these things, but yeah, tough. So the book was not well received. He, his mental health got much worse he wrote a lot of nasty letters to people who didn't like his book. Like random people? No, oh, like, like, b- like critics of his book. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm like, well, I didn't know how far into the illness we were. <laughs> oh, no. So, it went, so he, he, he changed a lot. He started seeing prostitutes. He started drinking copiously. Very clearly experiencing a mental health crisis. And as we've touched many times, and I'm sure we'll have an entire episode on this, today, the way we deal with people experiencing a mental health crisis is not great. It's way better now than it has ever been. And it's still not great. And it's still not great. Yeah. It is historically a very awful treatment. And during this time period, it is notoriously bad. So obviously experiencing a severe mental breakdown, cheating on his wife, wife with prostitutes openly, drinking a lot, being belligerent. In 1865, he was committed to an insane asylum. He realized they tricked him to get him there. Oh, fuck. He realized very quickly what was happening and tried to get out of it. And they beat the shit out of him, the guards. And he... What, to prevent him from escaping? Yeah. He promptly died two weeks later. (gasps) What? Ironic is not the right term to use here, but he died from gangrene. It's not, it's not comical. It's dark, but it's... I am... (sighs) Stunned. Like, I don't even know what to say. I just want to stare at you angrily. It's a cruel joke, really. His his death is a cruel joke. Did he get gangrene from an injury from when he was beaten? Yes. Oh, my God. Or at least that's the belief. So he was beaten so severely. He got a wound on his hand. And the general consensus is he was beaten, got this wound, which got infected because this is a time period where like he was kept in a locked dark room in a straitjacket for hours on end, which alone can kill someone. Cause that is an extremely, extremely horrible traumatic thing to do to someone. I would wither after having the shit beat out of you when you're, he was, he was pretty young, unfortunately. Um, not like young, young, but young to die and young to be potentially experiencing How early onset Alzheimer's. He? I want to say, I don't want to speak out of turn, so I'm going to look it up because I didn't write it down. 
research in the here 47. and now. 47? I feel like that was young even for then. Oh, yes. That was very young. The reality is actually, if you made it past childhood, generally speaking, throughout history, people, when we say like, oh, the average lifespan was 13 or whatever, that's because you're including all of the people who die yes. before they're the age of five. If yes. you made it past the age of five, people generally lived their 60s or 70s. Like that was very common. That's fucking young, 47. dude. Like... And it's heartbreaking because, again, even if he was a prickly pear, he very, it's very clear if you read his writings how important this is to him and that he was distressed by the deaths and he was very frustrated. Understandably, I can imagine it driving you quite literally insane when you make a discovery like this that can save thousands of lives and not being taken seriously. Interestingly, so he wasn't taken very seriously in Europe, but in the U.S., we were a lot more accepting of his ideas. Hmm. Yeah. Why is the climate so different? I don't know. I guess maybe the U.S. was a little more open to experimentation and just kind of testing the waters with that kind of stuff. I don't know. We've always been very open to experimentation. Yeah, unfortunately. Of all yeah kinds. we probably like, oh yeah, we've been doing that too. <laughs> <laughs> we know germs work. That's why we got rid of the people who were living here when we came here. We've been sticking our hands in dead bodies for <laughs> centuries. We figured that out in the 1600s. Let me handle your baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Can you imagine if he had been believed? It's tragic. If he was able to disseminate that information out to the, not even the masses, but the right people. Because when you're a physician, the first thing that you're thinking about is the patient. Yes. And I'm sure if you're a good physician, (laughs) luckily we do have a lot of good people in the industry that truly care about the patient. Especially in this era, we kind of discussed it with Sims, but yes, doctors were not held in as high of a regard because they were killing a lot of people and they were kind (laughs) of experimenting on stuff. Yeah. They were not seen in a high regard at all. And a lot of them were just drunk frat boys is what it sounded like, (laughs) you know, talking about Sims and the research you had done. Yeah. Uh, James Marion Sims for those. Yeah. Um, You can listen to those episodes. They were much darker than this one, yes. um, but it also involving women in birth and the shitty things that happened to women he because was, men didn't want to let go of their egos. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. It's the same thing. Yeah. He was the father of gynecology, but in part two, we go over the mothers of gynecology. So listen to those episodes. Yeah. The thing is he did have supporters. It was mostly the younger crowd. And this is just kind of a thing you see throughout history. I know our generation is going to do it. Everyone does it as they get older. The old guard didn't want to let go of the old ways. They refused to take accountability for the fact that they could have been causing the deaths. The younger doctors, the medical students, a lot of them were on Semmelweis's side and they encouraged him to publish his findings and out of spite, he didn't for almost 15 years. So that's why that's the implication from, yeah. from all of the things I've read. And honestly, even kind of reading his text, which by the way, I should have given you the title of it. His book is called. You know, I figured there was a delay because he was busy doctoring. No. And trying to, you know, save his patients. It was out of spite. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's petty. So his book is called The Etology, Concept, and Prophylaxis of Childbed Fever. Oh, okay. Childbed fever is another term for plural fever. So 
he did not publish it. And I have to imagine mental illness might've had a hand in delaying the publishing of this. And it's unfortunate too, because in reading through it, there were several times where he said, I'm telling you, this is the data, but I don't have it anymore because either I lost it or because it's at the Vienna hospital and I don't have access to it anymore. A lot of the data he did have enough data that even with the missing information, his findings are very obvious. However, It is unfortunate because a lot of time had passed. And again, you know, he figured this stuff out in 1846 and didn't publish until 1861. I can only imagine the frustration of being dismissed. However, come on, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Look over your ego. Like you're frustrated at these people's egos. Yeah. That's so fucking sad. Yeah. It's sad for him. He really has a tragic story. Dying at 47 of... Not the exact same thing you were studying, but essentially of the same evidence of wounds and festering. Something you were trying to fight. Something that he could have been saved from. Yeah. That truly is like, it it reads like a tragedy. It's very tragic. Wow. Oh my God. Regardless of the dementia and the sex workers and the cheating. (laughs) He was having, Um, I think he was very clearly experiencing a mental health crisis and it's hard. Obviously you're accountable for your actions, but it's, yes, it's well, um, it sucks because like he was going through that, a mental health crisis. And I'm sure those around him during that time were stuck on the morality of the, like the problematic things he was doing. It's just like with bipolar disorder where somebody who's experiencing like a mania might do things they don't normally do and have risky behaviors, but it's not about that. That's a sign. That's a symptom of what's going on. So you can't necessarily go on the attack and make them feel bad for those things and then isolate them because of it. You have to, you have to identify the problem. All of these things are happening okay, here's the diagnosis. Like I just, you don't have to put up with someone's shitty behavior. Mental illness is not an excuse for being unkind or cruel to people. No. And I don't even necessarily think that having him committed was the wrong move. It only was the wrong move because insane asylums at the time were places you put people to die. It wasn't a place where you you got put and then you got better. You went there and you didn't come out. And I also understand, I mean, I can't imagine being a woman in the 1850s in Budapest and having your husband... I oh can't imagine he was a pleasure to have at home. No, probably not. She was <laughs> yeah. probably like, thank God. Yeah, she was like, I don't give a fuck. Let him die. Let him rot in there. He was probably yeah. terrible to her. And I'm not saying that that justifies what happened to him. No, and it's, it's very complex. Sucks. And it's really fucking sad because I'm sure that obviously his deterioration was not caused by the rejection that he experienced from his peers, but it certainly could not have helped. No. And I mean, if you think about, I can't imagine the like bitterness that one would experience when you're like, this is, I'm not crazy. Listen to me. But again, didn't publish it for 13 years. So yeah, that's, um, you can't let that stop you from trying to get the information out there to save others lives. I mean, he sounds like he was super jaded by his colleagues and Yeah. yeah. And how they were receiving that information. But I'm, I think it's also a huge deal. His commentary on himself thinking about all the patients that have died because of him and yeah. his hands. And he was very honest about that. And and I'm sure experienced a lot of frustration and guilt. I can't imagine being a doctor and realizing that you've probably killed unknowingly hundreds of people 
from just not understanding that, again, hygiene wasn't as big of a thing. We didn't understand germs, but they were washing their hands. They just still had the quote unquote cadaverous particles still on them. It really struck me when you said that their hands still stunk like a corpse. Yeah. To me, that's, oh, that's so obvious. Your hands are not clean. It also still ties a little into the miasma thing where it's like the the smell, because I mean, this is the same time period. If you look up miasma on Wikipedia, one of the things they mention is another thing that miasma caught along with disease was obesity. If you smell too many croissants, you get fat. Like if I smell butter, I'll gain weight. Yeah. Awesome. Which is something also, ironically, <laughs> we actually just discussed in oh my the good God. old days pod. Oh, this uh, we talked about the woman who gave birth to the rabbits, quote unquote. Oh, yeah. She actually discussed miasma in that as well. And yeah, wasn't there some trickery involved with that? She was not giving birth to rabbits. There was yes. a lot of there was a lot of mental unwellness <laughs> and potentially people taking advantage of her. Um, that oh. episode should be released by the time this one comes out. So Ooh. people can go listen to that. But yeah. Yeah. It's uh <laughs> That's interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah. Wow. I uh I didn't do any research into Samwise. I'm glad I didn't because that's shocking and very upsetting. <laughs> yeah, same with what you're the topic you're going to discuss. I didn't even look at I know you shared the document with me, but I didn't. I figure you can surprise me with all well, the gory details. Well, a lot of you know and don't necessarily love her, but today I'm going to talk about Mary Mallon, a.k.a. Typhoid Mary. And we all know about Mary, and she's the example of why you need to wash your goddamn hands. What I didn't realize is that she had a lot of things going against her, and really the only thing I think she's truly guilty of is just being a little bit stubborn. And it's because of lack of evidence and understanding. Seems to be there a lot of that going around in this episode. <laughs> Wash your damn hands. kills, folks. Yeah, stubbornness kills, pathogens kill. Yes. Wash your damn Wash hands. Wash your goddamn hands. At least 20 animals. seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Mary Mallon, who is also the queen of RBF, I will explain later. There will be pictures. She was born September 23rd in 1869, and her hometown was in Northern Ireland. It's Cookstown of County Tyrone or Tyrone, however you would like to pronounce it, but it's literally spelled Tyrone, like the name. At the age of 15, she emigrated to New York City to live with her aunt and uncle. I do not know anything else about her family. Nothing. Just the aunt and uncle. Huh. Kind of weird, right? Yeah. And also, I would imagine that this is because she was looking for financial opportunities, better career. Her town that she grew up in was very poor. She's probably looking for some stability. Her first job there was as a maid. That's all well and good. Mm -hmm. Maids made, um, (laughs) (laughs) oh no, I didn't mean to do that. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) Um, They made about $20 a month. Mary learned that she had a knack for cooking Mm. and everybody really liked her cooking. She ended up doing that as a career for several years And in the first few, she did it for like eight families. Wow. Yeah. She was very good at it. Yeah. Also, that paid about $50 a month. Wow. Yeah. So it was a lot more money. Big time. Yes. Also, $1 back then, I was looking at a money converter earlier. $1 back in 1900, which is when she went to New York City, what that would be today is about $36, I believe. Let's double check. So $36. Times 50. Okay, so that's about, so she was making like minimum wage at yeah. 50 
a month. Thirty six fifty five is what it would be today. Yeah. So over the span of 120 years, the rate increased by $35.55. Yeah. You made more money as a cook. So anyway, here's the problem. She started cooking for a family within two weeks of cooking for them. And this was in a home in Mamaroneck, New York. The entire household became ill with a virus. Fever, headache, diarrhea. What the fuck? But Mary didn't. She didn't get sick once. Weird, right? Yeah. And it's tough to like, especially before you know germs, to blame someone who didn't also get sick. Yes. Again, germ theory was talked about in the 1850s or so, mid 1800s, but it wasn't really accepted. And also, no offense by any means, but being of a poorer class, less educational opportunity, she's 15 moving to New York City. I can imagine, you know, she probably didn't grow up with certain practices. I probably had no idea. Yeah. 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 She just knew she wasn't sick. Mm-hmm. So by 1901, she moved to Manhattan and she was cooking for another family again. They all became sick. Same exact thing. Fever, so are these diarrhea. People, are they dying? Like, is she like, not yet. Kills the family, moves to the next family. They're not dying okay. yet. Okay. Also, something to note here is the families that she's going to work for, people that could hire a personal cook, um, they're yeah. making bank. Yeah. They're, they're affluent they're well families, off. wealthy areas, and viruses like this are not known to hit wealthier communities where there's, say, indoor plumbing yeah. and, you know, stuff like that. That's a very good point. Yeah. So by 1904, she moves in with this guy. He's a lawyer. His name is Henry Gilsey, and she lives in the servants' quarters, and there's seven other servants that are living with her. Again, she's cooking for the family. And I do want to note that the living quarters for the domestic servants are separate from the family's house. Okay. So. (laughs) Oh, no. The reason this is important to know is because the entire house where all the servants were living, all of them got sick. Specifically, I think four out of the seven got sick and the others later. But the family never got sick. Red flag starting to show. (laughs) Yeah, that's very interesting. It does make me wonder, because we do know that Mary was the cause of the illness with the servants, what was she cooking for them that was causing a problem, but not necessarily cooking for the family? Or was it the fact that she was just living and using the same facilities as them? It's just proximity. Yeah. Yeah. Just like touching things. Maybe the four that got sick first lived in closer proximity to her or like their beds or whatever were closer. I don't know. Bunkmates. Yeah. Who knows? using the same bathroom and all that, I would imagine. Right after this outbreak and probably fearing for her own health, she left. Yeah. And she moved to Tuxedo Park, which is another affluent area, and she wanted to snag another well-paying job. Yeah, Sidebar, (laughs) Tuxedo Park, apparently, when it was created, the guy that named it and the people before, it was a, like, wealthy hunting area. So it just made me think about, you know, the the weird esoteric groups of men that go out to the Sahara or Africa somewhere and they kill animals Don't for give fun. Don't the name esoteric. Oh, sorry. Rich turds. <laughs> We're going to call them rich turds. There's yeah. nothing esoteric about them. The rich turds. But they you know, might possibly be part of the, the, what is it? The lodge of... You know what? Yeah. yeah I know. I, like that kind of stuff. I guess esoteric stuff. is fair, but they're not cool enough to be um, esoteric. It's very exclusive. These gentlemen's clubs kind of thing yes, where you yeah. go into a room and there's hundreds of animal heads on the wall. 
that's what I kind of like picture. the Masons. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. could be totally wrong. No, but. I, get, I I definitely think that's <laughs> if nothing else, it is a very common tie to yeah. see you know the kind of whatever cool boys club type things where they also go and that's like, what it feels yes, like is a that. cool boys club not yep. esoteric <laughs> I, get, though, I mean like the, the masons are considered an esoteric group mm. very much a boys club definitely probably the kind of dudes who go on safaris <laughs> and kill animals and there's some weird like blood ritual going on for sure yeah <laughs> but yeah that's uh it was just a very affluent area that attracted affluent people who were hunting yeah and it, you know that's yeah. how that started. But anyway, I thought that was interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So again, weirdly, two weeks later, she was working for another family in Tuxedo Park. And there was a servant there who was in charge of laundry duty. She ended up getting very sick. So she was transported to the hospital and later died. Ooh. What's interesting about that is that person on laundry duty she was the one that was tied back to causing illness in that family, I guess. They thought she was the sole reason. Yeah. They didn't know about Mary. Ooh. So she kind of got the blame for it, but now we know yeah. differently. Again, this illness, very uncommon in affluent areas yeah. like Tuxedo Park with the Gentleman's Club folks. <laughs> yeah. So now this is kind of where the literal shit show begins. It's 1906. Mary is hired as a cook for a banker, Charles Warren, and his family. The Warrens, they wanted to vacation at an old-timey Airbnb. So they, <laughs> they picked a little coastal house. It was a summer home in Oyster Bay, Long Island, and it was owned by the Thompson family. There were 11 people staying there. Oh, no. 11 people all summer? Ugh. I mean, unless they were family like... family members? Uh-huh. You know, to be fair... I don't think fair, I have 11 family members. To be fair... The man upstairs and I did go on a Mediterranean cruise back in 2014 with 11 family members. Really? Yeah, it was wild. <laughs> I don't think I can think of 11 family members off the top of my head. Definitely not 11 no? I'd want to spend time with. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually a really good time. That's Let me awesome. tell you what, the food was amazing. I think it helps having separate sleeping quarters. For sure. And we would always meet up for like the fancy dinner every night and for certain events and excursions or whatever. Yeah. But highly recommend. It was a good time. So again, 11 family members staying at the summer home, six of them contracted some virus causing headache, diarrhea, and fever. I do want to mention that happened over a span of eight days. I mean, 11 people, <laughs> even if it's just a stomach bug. Yeah, exactly. That shit goes through, wipes everyone out. So this thing, whatever this, this thing is, yeah. has an incubation period of about two weeks. Six or eight days or so. Yeah. In the least. Yeah. What is realized is that this is typhoid. This is typhoid fever. Again, super rare in this area. Yeah. So the guy Thompson that owned this home, he was super afraid that something in the house was causing the illness, right? That makes sense. Yeah. Um, did I mention that Mary was the cook hired to... Yes, I did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you didn't, I think we would have gathered. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Thompson, he hired some sanitation engineers to go to the home and do some testing. Wow. And yeah, I know. Yeah, the like early 1900s. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it was 1906. I wonder what kind of testing they were doing. Well, they did some plumbing samples. And Ooh. one of the guys that was part of it, he was a specialist in typhoid fever epidemics. 
an outbreak. That's convenient. Yes. His name was George Soper and he was a real son of a bitch, but he knew what he was doing. He just wasn't, um, he lacked bedside manner, I guess, but also he wasn't necessarily a physician. I don't think. Also a prickly pear. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I know he specialized in epidemics, but I think he was not like a medical doctor. Yeah. I don't think he was a doctor, sanitation engineer. So what they did was they took samples from all of the plumbing in the house, the sinks, the toilets, whatever. And they performed tests, but they all came back negative. Specifically, what they were looking for is a bacteria called typhi. And it's a variant of Salmonella enterica, just like we hear about COVID-19 and new variants. Is Salmonella typhoid? Okay, so so there is a class. No, I always (laughs) there's a class of bacteria, Salmonella enterica, but there are variants within. So there's actually also another one called paratyphoid, which is different. Again, with the variants thing. But are they both typhoid? A type. Okay. Okay. So so they both like could be called typhoid fever. Uh, technically yes, but they're, they're just like slightly different, um, as to the pathogen that's causing it. And again, typhi is, it's a pathogen. I should know more about this, but what I can tell you is that modern day medicine can find out if you have this type of infection with blood cultures. Yeah. Also there's a test out there for E. coli, shigatoxin, just a general stool culture test could tell you if there's something like salmonella in there. And then there's other tests which can get a little bit more specific into Hmm. finding out if it is typhoid. Again, everything negative from the pipes. Fuck. Hmm. What do we do now? Interesting. Um, Yes. (laughs) Because the origin of the typhoid could not be tied back to the plumbing, there was also another area that was checked. It was actually a local shellfish company that the family was probably getting food from. And Mary was preparing it. Oh. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But instead, because they couldn't figure out where it was coming from and it wasn't tied back to the shellfish company because, I don't know, good business practices, wealthy area, Soper decided to look into the Warren's cook, Mary Mellon, and he did his fucking homework. He traced back her career over the past six years where she was working and realized that there were typhoid outbreaks everywhere that she had gone. The problem was he had no idea where Mary went because when this outbreak happened, she left probably like oh my god they're all getting sick i don't want to get sick at that point it's looking suspicious it's it's super sus you want to know what's even more sus she never left a forwarding address it looks bad yeah it looks real bad it's like you're protecting yourself why are you hiding that Hmm. it looks real bad yeah a little a little suspicious there nobody knew where she was because she didn't leave the forwarding address so for a while she was like on the lamb yeah. or whatever, not intentionally, maybe, hopefully. <laughs> but she was found because another outbreak happened in Manhattan a little while later. This was at a penthouse in Park Avenue, another wealthy home situation. And it's owned by, and this is spelled B O W N E S. I am choosing to call them the Bones family. I think that's fair, right? Bonus? Yeah. Bonus. Oh, I didn't think of bonus. I was thinking bonus. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what origin? <laughs> I don't bonus. know. Oh, I want to know. Um, do they call that etymology? Oh, it's Celtic. It's Wales. Really? Yeah. Is it pronounced bones? 
I see both bones and then bound. Oh, bounds. We'll go with bones. I think bones is, is fun. Bones is fun, but it bone might ass. be bounds. I'm seeing all sorts of, I think it's, I think it just boon. There's all sorts of, we'll go with boon. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I mean, it's like the we'll name Sersha. I mean, have you ever seen the way things are spelled in Wales and then how they're pronounced? Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of certain names. Well, I think they're Irish names or Gaelic, but like. Yeah. Siobhan. Yes. Yeah. And it looks like Seoban. Yes. <laughs> you know, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. It's um, just pronounced differently. Yeah. 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 Bones, bones family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so while Mary was working for the family, and I believe this was a short period of time, two servants ended up going to the hospital and the daughter of the family died of typhoid fever. It's not great. No. Yeah. So now I have a little section here called Poopy Palms, Peach Ice Cream, and Capture. My uh, my stepson came up with Poopy Palms, and I just about I, died. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Just about died yeah, when he said that's it. that's fantastic. Well, because every time I do a new episode and he comes into the office um, and I'm doing my research, I'll tell him, guess what we're learning about? <laughs> So I was explaining Mary Mallon and he was like, oh, so she had poopy palms and that was the problem. I was like, (laughs) problem with poopy palms. That's exactly what the problem was. (laughs) So George Soper, he went to the penthouse in Park Avenue and he confronted Mary in the kitchen and he tried to explain his theory of what was going on. And specifically Mary, she cooked all kinds of things for the family, especially hot dishes. And if you think about it, when you cook meals to a certain temperature, and we all kind of know this now, it kills salmonella. Yeah. But she had a special dessert that she would make for families, and it was peach ice cream. Oh, that sounds delicious. She would hand cut peaches and like Cold Stone Creamery style mix it in. That sounds fucking amazing. I almost. Not when it's been made with poopy palms. I almost went and got ice cream for us today with peaches to give you and (laughs) wanted to just wait. (laughs) You think that's going to stop me? Maybe when we play (laughs) D&D. Well, I didn't want to make you sick, but it sounds good, right? I I have a stomach of steel. I think we've been over this. I don't know if I've been over it with you, but my mom has done <laughs> what are I'll what are you us. about to tell me so we got our sun basket I, yeah. i've started i've started beginning sun basket because i yeah, need to eat because you got the onions and you ate the onions yes. from the sun so basket. i started beginning sun basket and our sun basket was delayed and it was 90 degrees and when i got the sun basket it had been shipped days prior and it was 90 degrees inside the basket i grew up we were not poor, but I grew up in a household with someone who grew up around people who were literally starving to death. She grew up in Africa in not a great area. Okay. And in Ghana. So we didn't, we don't waste food. No and matter what? No matter what. I threw it out, but I had a very hard time doing so. I put thermometers Aww. in the meat. The meat was 80 degrees and oh I my still God. fought myself on it. You tested I, it. Yes. <laughs> and I texted my mom and I was like, do you think this is still good? And she was like, yeah, if you cook it hot enough and toss enough red pepper on there, it'll kill whatever's in there. I fucking thought about it, dude. Like I, I put it in the trash and I almost thought about taking it out. Like I have a very hard time, especially if it's meat because it's like an animal died for this and now it's in the trash. I understand, but don't, don't I, risk your health. I if think, you have the means and the ability, yes, don't risk your health. Yeah, no, I, I don't 
think that way anymore. Yeah. I, I'm still a little closer to that. John's on the opposite end of the spectrum. He dropped a raw chicken breast into our sink and then threw it out. And I was like, just rinse it off and cook it. Are you like, it's in our sink. I would have done the same oh thing. Oh my God. What? Why? You I, rinse it off. I'm very similar to John in oh, a lot of oh ways. God, and that's one of heart. them. That poor chicken died for no reason. I, um, I get nervous sometimes when I'm using a strainer in a sink, like I'll scrub the sink I down. I do too, actually, for some, if, like, yeah. if you pour pasta and the water flashes back. Yeah. Yeah. The, the splashback. And then also I, I'm worried about the bottom of the sink coming into contact with the strainer. And I like, it freaks me out in a way yeah. that I cannot describe but to like, you, but also meat. have you seen the inside of a slaughterhouse? That is not the grossest thing that meat has been in contact with. Yeah. Um, ignorance is bliss yeah, when it comes to know. meat preparation and I get it. And I just, I have a thing and maybe it's my line of work yeah. that makes me a little nuts I, when it I comes to it. that I stuff. I will serve other people's stuff if I'm not sure, but like I will eat it. Like yeah. I, questionable yeah, food I eat all the time. It's that yeah. thing where for you, you don't deserve better, but your guests do. People around you do. I don't think about it that way, but I guess that's that's what it is. That's what you're doing, and yeah. I'm guilty of it. That's why I know. It takes yeah. one to know one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But eating meat, I mean, the, th- the biggest thing is that meat had probably been 80 degrees for, like, days, oh. which is what really sold what me What was it? It was, it was ground chicken and then chicken patty. Oh, yeah. man. That sucks. It was so hard for me to throw it out, but, like... <sighs> And my mom, I shouldn't have asked her because I knew she was going to be like, yeah, just cook it hotter. Then I think back, like, (laughs) there was a time when I was a kid where I was sick for 14 days, nonstop, nothing stayed in my body. It was all the symptoms of salmonella. Two weeks? Two weeks. And this is, like, at the time, at a healthy age, I was 90 pounds and 5 foot 9 because I was just naturally very thin. I couldn't Still walk. Are. <laughs> I couldn't walk up and down the stairs. I was so weak after. Oh totally my god! Should have gone to the hospital. It was oh terrible. My god. But like now, I'm thinking, like, <laughs> did I just eat contaminated meat? That just it's possible. We didn't throw things out. Man, I remember one time one of my aunts made us all like a chicken dish. It was like mm. a pasta chicken dish. It was delicious. There was a piece of meat that I ate that I was like, oh, this is like more squishy. <gasps> no. Yeah, I was. Oh, I, I can't I do young. raw. Raw, raw chicken. Oh, my God. No. Like I can do a rare burger. Yes. Um, I've, but I've gotten. I used to not, but now I can. Yeah, yeah. I used to not either. Everything was well done. Kill all the things. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But now I can be a little bit more adventurous yeah. and I appreciate the taste and the texture more. Yes. Um, yeah. Cause I just thought everything was supposed to be a rubber puck. Yeah. School hamburgers, chicken man. Still, John and I both are working through our fear of raw chicken because yeah. <laughs> there would be no question yeah. that it was well cooked. Cause it would be just little like little charcoal pieces of chicken oh, by yeah. the time we were done. Yeah. And I've gotten food poisoning out and about getting chicken at mm-hmm. places. It's like really scary. It is. You know? Yeah. Um, oh man. Yeah. God damn it. So um, <laughs> typhoid Mary was just not cooking her. Oh, she was poisoning the ice cream, yeah. which is the cruelest thing to poison. Yeah. So she was, her body is harboring this bacteria. Yeah. I guess I'll talk about that now. Actually, it is believed that Mary was born with typhi in her body because her mother was infected with wow. typhi. It is believed that her mom was also an asymptomatic carrier. That makes sense. So yeah. when you're an asymptomatic carrier of bacteria, you yourself are never showing signs and symptoms of being sick with anything, mm-hmm. but you have those pathogens in and on your body. Yeah. So if you're not doing certain things, practicing good hand hygiene, yeah. whatever, or if you're in a situation where those things are not really available to you, 
it makes it really hard not to introduce those pathogens into your environment. Imagine you're somebody, and Mary is one of these people, who rarely ever washed her hands before cooking. She would wash her hands otherwise. Hopefully it was after using the bathroom. But basically, you know, she's going and taking a dump or taking a piss and not washing her hands. And then, hey, I got something good on the menu tonight. It wasn't even, (laughs) I don't think hand washing was a common thing until probably the mid 20th century. No, it wasn't. Yeah. And really, it was never really a thing until it became a problem. Mm -hmm. So if you get asked to wash your hands and you're like, why? Yeah, nothing nothing has come of me washing them or not washing them before. Like you yourself have to wash your hands because you are the problem, Mm -hmm. right? Instead of trying to identify exactly what was going on here, which they do for the most part. And I don't know. Old timey medicine's hard. Yeah. So basically she's getting confronted in her place of work Mm -hmm. by a man who's saying you are poisoning all of these families that you're working with and all of your coworkers. Probably like Semmelwise, no tact. (laughs) Yes. And I, yeah, no tact. (laughs) And I, speaking as Soper, I believe that, you know, it's this peach ice cream that's causing it because you're dicing these peaches and ice cream is um, cooked initially. I don't know how ice cream was made back in the day. Maybe it was the old, like, vanilla with the cream and the ice and that I kind of so. thing. Yeah. That and the salt situation. You ever do that? Put mm-hmm. it in a Ziploc bag and make your own. Oh, in a Ziploc bag. We did like yeah. a, we had a ball. Oh, or something. you could make small batches in a Ziploc bag. That's it cool. Was something we would do in school yeah, sometimes like an experiment. Fun. Yeah, cooking, yay. So I would imagine that she's making this ice cream and dicing the peaches by hand, fresh peaches, Mm, mind you, delicious. so delicious. Yeah, it's like a specialty. So this fucking guy comes into your place of work telling you that you're You're doing shit wrong. (laughs) You're doing shit wrong because of how you shit and don't wash your hands. And that special dish that you love to make and everybody loves to eat. That's what's making everybody sick. Yeah. I would have been fucking destroyed. Yeah, it's it's touching your ego. And she's also, what, 17 at this point? She's in her early 20s. So she's still young. Yeah. Not she's, very well educated. Yes. And, takes pride in her work. And again, yeah. hovering above the poverty line. Yeah. As a cook. Yeah. This guy's doing all this shit to her, saying all this shit. She came at him, screaming and swearing with a big ass fork. Um, so... <laughs> You know, like a fork, I would imagine you would stab a spiral ham with yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then go at it with a carving knife. Some people do say it was a carving knife that she went after him with. And then others say that it was a meat cleaver. Either yeah. way, can you fucking blame her? I don't no. blame her at all. I would have been coming at him with all three. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. fuck you, dude. Don't darken I know my how doorstep. I do my job. Yeah. yeah. Like, don't come at me yeah. and tell me my peach ice cream is ruining people's lives and Quite killing literally. them. <laughs> yeah. After this, Soper realized, okay, I got to approach this a different way. So he goes to the New York City Department of Health and he gets Dr. Josephine Baker and five officers to come to the penthouse to retrieve her. Total escalation. Yeah. Yeah. So they find Mary in a closet and she stayed in there for hours. Um, but she came out spitting and swinging, swearing. And uh, they said that she did so. She did both things, fighting and swearing with appalling efficiency and vigor, which go marry. I know. So did they and all I get, get typhoid? It. She was spitting? Oh, 
I do not know. Like she's, she's like, I am the weapon. <laughs> I, um, that's something I didn't look into is what bodily fluids like causes typhi is carried in. Can you look that up for me? Uh, fluids. Research in real time. And it's just T-Y-P-H-I. Weirdly, it doesn't say saliva. So this is, this is from the National Health Society in the UK. Okay. This is how they write it. An infected person can pass the bacteria out of their body in their poo or less commonly in their pee. <laughs> the National Health Society. <laughs> Was this written by a nine-year-old? <laughs> your pee comes out of your pee-pee. Um, well, I guess, okay, so... Maybe they're, they're, they're trying to dumb it down for us typical folk. Yeah, so it's very common in a healthcare setting for them to... You have to speak to everybody yeah, on a fourth grade level. Yeah. Um, fourth grade level is the baseline there, so layman's terms. like yeah. So everybody can understand. But just the... The source is the problem here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just sounds... Poo and pee. Yeah. I mean, you could even say poop. Poo is just so cutesy. <laughs> well, I use a lot poop of... palms. Fecal and urine. Yeah. Li- whatever. Anyway, stool. Yeah. But yeah, so Dr. Baker and these officers show up. She comes out kicking and screaming. They put her in a vehicle and they bring her to some place. I believe it was a hospital at first. And it got to the point that Mary was like throwing such a fit that Dr. Baker decided to sit on top of her to restrain her. That seemed, I How feel like I've heard that many times in, the, yes. in that time period of doctors sit on them. sitting. Yeah. I, I think, feel like yeah. people still do that sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's not great. And I will say that Dr. Baker later in some of her writings, she later went on to say that she completely understands why Mary was so distrustful. Wait, Dr. Baker was a woman. Dr. Baker was a woman. Wow, good for her in the 19, early 1900s. Isn't okay, that she's awesome? allowed to sit on Mary. Yeah, she can Go sit woman. on Mary. She's a female doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it does make it a little less bad just weight-wise when you think about like... Yes. If John sat on me, it would probably kill me. Yeah. Also, speaking of... This pissed me off. (laughs) One of the reasons why George Soper, the sanitation engineer, was able to easily find Mary wasn't just because of like how he researched her place of work based on typhoid outbreaks in New York. It was because of her physical description. Irish woman, pale, heavyset. And also, I have pictures of she's Mary. She's not. No, she seems so slight to me. Yeah. And either way, whatever. Like She doesn't seem heavy set. Uh, I, mean, I, I can only think of one picture I've seen of her, and she was older, so maybe. But, like, she did maybe, not strike me as heavy set. No. Oh, my gosh. Especially now. Yeah. Compared to modern days, not at all. If anything, no. below average. But I just thought that was rude. Yeah. And then she's got another little dainty thing sitting on top of her, restraining her while she's like, (laughs) (laughs) oh, my God. So Mary is forced to give samples three times a week. And I read a letter from Mary and it's so sad. But basically she was divulging like how often this testing was happening. It was three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday for quite some time. And in the beginning, she was never allowed to leave her bed I would imagine that she used a bedpan yeah. to give her samples. And all of the samples that were given, it somehow led laboratory staff and doctors to realize that, oh my God, I think the bacteria is in her gallbladder. And it was. 
It was in her gallbladder. Just in her gallbladder? Yeah. What? That's where it was teeming. That's fucking crazy. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Yeah. What? And the fact that they could determine that just from her, like, oh, that's... I know. Science is crazy. I thought it was bizarre. I didn't see a lot of, like, what I should have done was separate research into why typhi was, like, occurring in her gallbladder. Um, But that's how it was getting into... Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Getting into her fecal samples. And they were positive with it. The people that were testing it at this facility. Wow. Because they realized it was a gallbladder, they offered to take it out. They did not forcibly do this. Which is surprising, honestly. And she never ended up getting it taken out. Reason being is that Mary wasn't a fool. She knew that this surgery would probably have killed her. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm not signing up for any surgeries in 1906 or whenever this no. was. Nah. And another thing that's interesting, and I guess it could be seen as a little controversial, and I don't know what resources were available at the time, but um, there's another option besides taking out the gallbladder. And of course, hand hygiene would have helped, yes. but it wouldn't have solved the whole gallbladder no. problem. So it's very likely that no matter what job she ended up doing or any family she lived with, it's possible she could have spread that illness to them anyway, regardless of her hand hygiene. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. The other article that I read suggested that it's funny how they suggested to remove her gallbladder, which most likely could have killed her. Yeah. Instead of offering her some type of means to receive money for lost wages because she couldn't cook anymore. Because she was making a lot of money. Well, a lot of money for the time being a cook. $50 yeah. a month it, was decent back then it was she could keep her head above the poverty line absolutely um for sure but because of this condition and we didn't understand what was going on like maybe that maybe that could have helped her if she couldn't work make it so that she couldn't work until they could at least figure this out yeah you know and do more testing and maybe also test her hands yeah after washing them like i don't know i feel like in this time period, though, those kind of social programs did not exist. At I don't. All. It wasn't really until the Great Depression that we started thinking, oh, maybe if we help people, it helps the society as right. a whole. And also, yeah. she was Irish. Yeah. 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 And unfortunately, that. Yes. Yep. Um, so, oh, another thing I want to mention, and I had no idea about this. Mary had a lot of friends. She had a lot of very good fucking friends. Wow. Because one of them was able to sneak fecal samples out of this facility Obviously, she had visitors. Yeah. Brought it to an independent laboratory for testing. All of them turned out negative. All of the stool samples and urine samples okay, were negative. Okay, that's really interesting. Could you imagine the distrust that would cause? Between, so do we know for certain that she wasn't just set up? Because, I is, mean, at this time period, there was a lot of prejudice against Irish people. Yeah, I know. It doesn't look good. I didn't think that she did. mm. I know it makes you really think it is highly disputed whether Mary truly was given like a fair shot at things, but also whether she had typhi. But I mean, at the same time, so many different families and we'll get to the the numbers of people that were infected. But there were other people that had typhi bacteria and were spreading it even worse than she was, and they were imprisoned. Because that's exactly what's happening here. Yes, yeah. She was captured and imprisoned. Yes. And is being forced to give shit samples. Based on on the guess of a sanitation worker, which not to delegitimize that job, but like, you have to to guess that her 
is race the right term? Her, her, her not national origin. Yes. And maybe even her, her gender had something to do with her treatment. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and also her treatment. And I do want to say she was arrested as a threat to public health. So she sued the fucking shit out of the health department. It didn't work. Wow. Yeah. I guess we hadn't quite gotten to that part of American suing yet. (laughs) (laughs) You can't sue the government. That very rarely works anyways. Yeah. But it made sense because this was under, um, you know, the fact that they were violating her civil rights, ripping her out of her place of work and accusing her of something that they truly didn't necessarily have proof of. Forcibly detaining her. Yes. Yeah. And taking, yeah, there's so many things wrong with that. Yeah. There's a lot wrong there. Mm Mm-hmm. But all of her stool samples came out negative at the independent laboratory outside of where she was staying. So it caused a lot of distrust. And she was never sick. She didn't get sick the entire time with the fever, the headaches, the diarrhea, or, you know, die. So, you know, I get why she didn't believe them. And she was questioned. Under questioning, she did tell them that she rarely washed her hands before cooking. Yeah. So... Probably not even thinking like, yeah, why would I? It sucks because she was just super stubborn. And because of that stubbornness, she was told, okay, wash your hands, you know, wash your hands. And she said, no, fuck you. And also I get it being a little bit defiant. Especially after like the context of them detaining her and forcing her to give bodily fluids and oh, all yeah. that shit and then saying you need to wash your hands be like no fuck you i'm not going to fucking do a thing you oh, say oh yeah and the yeah. media was all over it they were so upset that she was ripped out of her home but then also there's other news articles that were like oh my god she kicked a doctor and <laughs> you know stuff like that yeah. i just it's all conjecture but yeah it's there was a lot of back and forth in the media about what was truly happening yeah. with mary and for the most part they were citing um you know just citizens in general wow no not oh. initially oh but later on they did okay i'll go into it why yeah but because she was refusing to wash her hands, she got dropped off in uh, North Brother Island. It's between the Bronx and Rikers Island, Ooh. a literal island. And she was sent there to live alone in isolation for the next three years. Oh. After that time, there was somebody that realized like, okay, there's other outbreaks of typhoid. There's other people that are causing this problem. There was a certain percentage of people that they realized were carrying typhi after coming down with that illness and they were asymptomatic too. So what are you going to do? Imprison them, put them in isolation. Yeah, That's not fair. No. So basically what they ended up doing is they made her promise and sign an affidavit saying that she would never cook again, which is so sad. Yeah. So, so sad. But she agreed to be a laundress. Well, after three years of, torture basically i mean that isolation is a known torture device oh my god like i love my me time but i would lose my mind you would after three years i you would find me talking to a wall i'd be fucking babbling and oh yeah they would be my my best friends if i had googly eyes everywhere oh Oh god that's scary oh my god i've already started putting googly eyes on my household appliance i know and i love it Everything needs to have a name, a passport. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, yeah, by uh, 1910, though, she was released after signing this affidavit. What is my cat doing? 
surveying her domain everything the dark touches <laughs> she's the manager everything the dark touches it's like reverse lion yep. king <laughs> oh god just my little bombay kitty meow. she is the night meow. so yeah she went to go work for the riverside hospital in 1910 and she was doing laundry duty okay here's the thing she stopped doing that she went back to cooking Mary, there is a span. I know it looks really bad. And that's usually the first thing you hear about. Also, she changed her name. (laughs) She started going. Also, though, I I get from her perspective, her fecal matter tested, at least in one place, not positive. Every time sick. Yes. I would also be like, they're just trying to stop an Irish girl from living her dreams. If I were Mary and reading letters from her. She was very intelligent. She was very well-spoken. She was a little sassy, (laughs) too. Yeah, good for her. I mean, can you imagine Irish woman, 15 years old, like (laughs) doing everything on your own, making a life for yourself? Yeah. Yeah, she probably had some spunk. I don't know. Absolutely. So, yeah, she ended up changing her name to Brown. There's also another name. Can't remember what it was. I think it started with an H. I could be wrong, but... She started cooking again. The reason being, she got in a really tight spot because she hurt herself on the job doing laundry. She hurt her arm real bad. Oh, yeah. She was out of work for six months. And workers' comp, I imagine, it was not a thing at that point. <sighs> oh, that, did, that had to come along after I the have World War II. Literally, well. no idea. Like, I really wonder what she was doing and where yeah. she was living at the time to survive. Yeah. So, in order to keep surviving, she went back to what yeah. she knew. And what would make her more money? Because she wasn't making very good money doing laundry again. So she broke her promise and I get it. It was survival. Yep. The health department ended up losing track of her. It was because of switching to that pseudonym. And Mary wasn't just cooking again at that hospital. She started cooking for hotels, restaurants, institutions, and she was <sighs> spreading illness amongst the staff and the patrons. Yeah. Because she wasn't washing her hands. Oh, she could have at least made that change. I, she, Mary, Well, come on. in my brain, I would have been like, well, maybe. So let me just wash my hands. Fuck it. You yeah. Know? It's not Whatever. like, it's not like it's that much of a pain in the butt. Yeah. You do. don't need to double down. Like you can, you can wash your hands, girlfriend. <laughs> you can it's, wash your it's, hands. It's, it's doable. <laughs> So uh, by 1915, five years later, another viral outbreak hit the Sloan Hospital for Women in New York City. A total of 22 infections were caused amongst the staff and two deaths occurred while Mary was cooking. Oh, no. For staff and patients. So it was there that the name Typhoid Mary was created by her coworkers. It was a joke. Yeah. That's... Unfortunate. I can imagine that they were like, oh, don't eat that. Fucking Mary made that. Typhoid Mary made that. And that peach ice cream. (laughs) Oh, I wonder if she made that. For some ice cream. (laughs) I know, right? Oh my God. (laughs) So uh, Mary fled, but she was arrested while bringing food to a friend on Long Island. Mary. I mean, thank God, though. Thank God, though, right? Yeah. What if it was the ice cream is all I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know. But also, it sounds like she had a really good friend group going on. Yeah. Right? I also, part of me, again, wonders, 
I would like to see the data for how common those kind of outbreaks were to see if it's really fair to tie it to her or not. I, know. I don't know. You I know. know. Well, I think the weirdness is the affluent area aspect. Yes. It was just not common for outbreaks of viruses to happen when you had more at your disposal for yes. hygiene yeah. purposes, you know. Hmm. While under the second round of quarantine, Mary, she resided again in North Brother Island between Rikers and the Bronx. And it was just her living on the island. I mean, there are times I wish I had my own island with no one else living on it. But by choice. By choice. Own island by choice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then in 1918, she was allowed to have day trips to go to the mainland, go to the city, hang out. So she must have- only comes out at night. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Well, at that point, just let her fucking be. <laughs> you can go when everything's closed down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, was that still a thing? Like, a, I don't know if they called it a door knocker or a window knocker, where they would knock with a pole oh, on yeah, windows to wake people white up. Clocks? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's probably like. I honestly don't know. I, yeah, it, probably before. Yeah, I yeah. have to imagine that was more of like well, an 1800s thing. Uh, have to do an episode on odd jobs, but with a dark twist. Yeah. Because this is a podcast for the esoteric and strange. Yes. So it's got to be weird. It's got to be weird. Oh, I bet there's jobs people who like clean the sacrificial knives or something. We'll find <gasps> some. It's got to be a job. Let me clean your sacrificial <laughs> He launders the or- the orgy sheets. Just- oh God! Oh my just God! The- the- how I would watch that show? The cleanup crew for like <laughs> sacrifice. Oh the my God! Jeeves of the cult, like just <laughs> you're sitting there and you're washing like grails and. Would you like another cyanide <laughs> pill, my lord? Yeah, all your chalices are just pulled out of the dishwasher. It's modern, by the way. <laughs> oh, old timey though. We'll do it through the ages, yeah. like. What we do in the shadow style. He's been the the cult G since like fifteen eighty one. Just it is just about them. We never see the people performing the sacrifices. (laughs) It's just the aftermath of the. Oh my god! One day. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) So yeah, day trips, not night trips. Mary was making a couple years later. Maybe it was because she decided to wash her hands. I don't know. Hmm. A while after that, in 1925, I'm going to introduce you to Alexandra Plavska. She was a doctor. She came to intern at the island, and she decided to organize a laboratory on the second floor of a chapel that was on site. Kind of cool, right? So wait, so this this island had a chapel and a place to intern, but it was only oh, yeah. one person living there? It's a big island, but she... so. Mary was quarantined with other people who were ill. Okay. I thought it was just her on the island. And I'm like, no. why do they have all these buildings? Uh, <laughs> I should have clarified. It's kind of like its own little community, okay, basically. Okay, that makes sense as far yeah. as isolation. And yeah. there's pictures of Mary, like, sitting in basically lawn chairs outside, wrapped in a blanket, yeah. looking at the camera, like, you know. Fucking stuck here, you <laughs> yeah, assholes. Exactly. Could be um, making ice cream for kids. Yeah, and that was one of the complaints Mary had in her letter. You know, she's sitting there quarantined with no one that had typhoid. Yeah. And she was like, I don't get it. I'm being quarantined for typhoid. I don't physically have any symptoms. None of these other people are sick with typhoid, but they're sick with a bunch of other things. Give them typhoid. Yeah. Well, they could have given her whatever they had. That's true too. I don't know what they had, but they had something. Otherwise, why were they quarantined? Yeah. So Dr. Plavska, she builds this laboratory And she decides to ask Mary if she wants to work in the laboratory and help her out. 
Mary became a laboratory assistant. Some people would call it a lab technician, Mm -hmm. um, depending on the organization you work for, the institute you work for, it's a different name. But she was washing bottles, she was recording data and prepping slides for pathologists. Getting typhoid all over all of it. (laughs) Probably, yeah. I would love to know. They must have made her wear... I would hope so, right? Uh Uh-huh. Some kind of PPE. But yeah, so she was doing tech work in a laboratory. I think that's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. And it was a couple years later again. That was in 1925. She became a lab assistant. And in 1932, she was found on the floor of her bedroom Christmas morning. She had suffered a stroke. Oh. Yeah. Even though she made like a pretty good recovery, half of her body was still paralyzed and she was bedridden for the next six years until she died. Yeah. That's too bad. It is. So I talked about how I always grew up hearing that Mary was a shit show and was stubborn, deliberately trying to infect people. Yeah. But I want all of you to cut her some slack again. She was a 15-year-old Irish immigrant, and that was not a cool thing to be. Nope. Back in those days. What's interesting, though, is I'm sure you know about Nina signs. No Irish need apply. It was disputed that these signs were still around in America by the time that Mary came here and came to New York. But at least up until the 1910s and a little bit afterward, there were signs posted outside of places that were looking to hire workers that would say, yeah, no Irish need apply. There's definitely some shit with that. Yeah. Some racism. Um, What do they call that? Xenophobic. Yeah. Also, the $30 difference of working laundry duty versus cooking for people. That's huge. And she was good at it. Yeah. Otherwise, she wouldn't have been bouncing around to all these rich families cooking for them, making them peach ice cream and God knows what else. She did whatever she had to do for survival, and I get it. And again, she was imprisoned without due process, right? Yeah. Her civil rights were violated, but I don't think she won because she was a risk to public health and they kind of made their case. And they also, the doctors said that they did everything that they could in their power to try to help her. Yeah. But without proof, unfortunately, mm-hmm. they're trying to harvest her goddamn organs it's without hard. proving it to her. It's easy also for the like, you know, the powers that be to make those kind of arguments and say, well, we are doing it in the best better interest of the public. Sure. That that phrase has been util- used to justify a lot of really terrible abuses of power. But, but- What about the other people who were causing, and you can look these folks up, but there were other people who were going around. Actually, there was a guy, I think he was, um, could have been Italian maybe. I don't know. Um, but he was another people who were not treated well in the early 1900s. And I believe, yeah, he was also an asymptomatic carrier of typhoid and he was infecting people way more than Mary. So I mean, come on. And yeah, and, the, and yet she's the one who kind of goes down in history as being, I knew very little of her story. I knew her name. And to be honest, for until today, I thought that Typhoid Mary worked in the military and was an army cook and got a bunch of people oh, sick. Oh, really? I don't know if I'm conflating her with someone else or if I just completely, but that's my whole life. I thought she just made a bunch of people sick in the military. That tracks though. I bet you there's a story out there of another there person. Must be. I also, Mary's a very common name. Like, yes. You know, yeah. and yeah. she changed her name to Mary Brown. 
So I would have changed the first name too and just gone yep. balls to the wall with that one. But yeah, I would have went with Belinda and went on my merry way. Yep. Well, yep. Mary. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then of course being dragged out of her place yeah. of work, being told all this stuff, being made to feel awful about herself, all the distress. So yeah, like you were saying, she was experiencing prejudice and initially the public after reports were coming out in the newspapers about what was happening, they sided with the health department. They sided with the doctors. But later on, they started to take Mary's side once she was more outspoken about what was going on for her and go Mary for yeah. like going public about it and suing and all that stuff. That's how it all got out into the media. But the public started to put the blame not on Mary and not necessarily on the doctors and the health department, but on the bacteria itself. It's something that was completely out of her control. Yeah. And I think that's like pretty progressive for the time, right? Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. But also there were smear campaigns. There's an image that we'll share. It's a drawing of Mary cooking and it looks like she's throwing little tiny skulls into a skillet. It's awful. Like, fuck you. Yeah. And also, I think it's emanating from her mouth, her breath, the miasma. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you were talking about that with Samwise. Yeah. That's all I could think about was, oh, there's the miasma thing, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so the total number of infected and dead is truly not known. It's suspected that Mary inadvertently caused illness in 122 people, gave them the virus, and between three to 50 deaths. That is a huge gap. It's a giant gap. And the only thing I could think of as to why there's such a huge gap is because there's a number of things. These patients could have had underlying illnesses that were blamed for it. Yeah. Again, she worked at hospitals as well. You know? Could be a, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So misdiagnosis. Contact tracing that didn't work or mm -hmm. did work or like I would imagine initially the numbers were very low as far as who they thought was killed by Mary or by the bacteria, the pathogens to be exact. And then that number grew as they did some tracing to who she had contact with in her place of work. So that's the story of Mary Mellon, a poor immigrant girl who came to America for better opportunities and she was carrying bacteria her whole life that she didn't understand. And she was stubborn as hell. <laughs> and she got chased all over New York and imprisoned for much of her life. But she made some dope ass food, including peach ice cream. I Yeah, I'm, I'm desperately <laughs> craving peach ice cream now. I'm going to have to go buy some peaches. Yeah, bon yeah. appetit. Mm. <laughs> I'm going I'm to eat it. I'm going to think about typhoid and I'm going to eat it anyways. Oh, my God. It's so sad, but I... Um, I feel like what I thought of Mary before doing this research, it's completely different. Very much so. Yeah, yeah she was stubborn, why, but yeah. I think that was really the only thing she was super guilty of. But she was, yeah. but the trust wasn't there. Yeah, I don't even know if stubborn is the right word to use because That's it's fair. kind of like she, I think standing up for herself when she was being treated without respect is, yes. you know, um, maybe it's not something that, you or I would be comfortable doing, but I think she was being treated unjustly. And especially the fact that she had someone take her stool samples and get tested elsewhere and it came back negative. I would be so conspiratorial about, you know, the world is out to get you. That feeling has to be so intense. Oh yeah. I would have been convinced that they were contaminating my samples. Yeah. 
And that does happen. Absolutely. Mistakes happen, especially in early 1900s. Yeah, it happens happens today with criminal investigations. All the time. An investigator, the person at the lab doing the testing. Oh my God, their DNA's in the shit. Like, obviously that person wasn't there, hopefully, but you know. Oh man, yeah. Yep. I would have been mistrusting and I wouldn't have believed him. So I get it. Yeah. And... Yeah, she was being told to wash her hands. That'll solve all the problems. But we don't truly know that it would have. And she should wash her hands. But it's sure. the same thing as kind of we discussed with Semmelweis, where it's the way with which you convey your needs or your information or whatever is very important because people are delicate little bubbles of ego. If and you, you have to be careful. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you go on the attack, you're not going to be listened to. Yeah. Correct. And if you're making people feel bad for things that are completely out of their control, which, yes, the solve, the solution was within her control. But all of the events leading up to that moment in time of like, hey, if you wash your hands, you're good. Yeah. Don't worry about it. She was like, no, fuck you. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I don't believe you. it wasn't in a gentle, straightforward, tactful manner. It yeah. doesn't sound like. So... It's human nature. I would like to think if I was in her position, I would have reacted differently. But again, if you take in into account the lack of education that is involved there, because obviously we grew up learning from a very early age, wash your hands. At this point, it was not part of the public health initiative, washing hands. It wasn't, as we discussed earlier, it really didn't become a big thing until the 1980s. Oh, yeah. So that wasn't a large thing that was educated. And she probably experienced prejudice in other aspects of her life after coming to America just for being Irish. So she probably already had that initial defensiveness. And then having some fucking man come into her place of work and be like, you're killing everyone and making them sick. Excuse me? I make delicious peach ice cream. Let me do my business. Exactly. And man, I want that ice cream. Yeah, me too. (laughs) But also it was said like there were some social determinants there. She didn't really have a family. I don't know where her aunt and uncle were at this time. Yeah. And she was moving all over New York. So she didn't have other support systems. She was taking care of herself and she was doing quite well for herself. And uh, yeah, so it's regardless of whether she was spreading it or not. Obviously, she should have been washing her hands. Yeah. But it was obviously not handled well. Oh, my God. There's some other fucked up things, too, that I didn't really get into. She was being made to take medications on and off if they had them at the facility she was staying at, like the first what time. Kind of medications? Actually, one of them was for patients that had kidney issues, and it could have killed her yeah. had she consistently been taking it. And there was also something else going on. She had an eye problem. It was like a paralysis in her eye. This weird twitching would happen. And even though they had a doctor, an eye doctor, coming to this facility regularly, he was never made aware of her eye problems. And she would actually put a patch over it at night. She was caring for what was going on with her eye herself. It was causing a lot of problems for her. And I think they were just hyper-focused on this other thing. And maybe because she was being so strong in her fucking constitution about like, no, fuck you. This is, you know, this isn't right. Um, they were overlooking other things that were happening and that she needed care for. It's so sad. That's, yeah, it's it's not surprising. It still happens to this day. And it's not to put down the people who were involved because it's human nature to kind of be single-minded with stuff sometimes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like we can boil both of these stories down to the way you, with which you deliver your communication that is very important. <laughs> 
my God. Is it ever? <laughs> oh God. You guys wash your hands for like 20 seconds. Yeah. No poo poo palms. No poo poo palms. <laughs> yeah. You can actually find really good directions that are kind of fun on the CDC website about washing your hands for at least 20 seconds. Sing happy birthday twice. And if you don't know it, I'll sing it to you. I'm not going to do it right now. No. Why not? I'll put it on the Patreon. <laughs> Can you imagine? I, that's awful. There's a paywall to learning how to wash your hands. God. No, there's a paywall to hearing you sing happy birthday. Oh, oh, definitely. But also seeing me, having the visual of me washing my hands. Yes. 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 That's very fun. <laughs> so, yeah. Wait, do you have a would you rather? I do. Okay. I'm like, I'm forgetting something. What is it? What could it possibly be? So in the tune of typhoid and bacterial infections, we shall do this one. You have two options. Either once a year, you shit your pants in public at a time not of your choosing. It is a wet shit. That's all you need to know. Or you audibly fart the raunchiest fart in the world once a month at a time not of your choosing. (sighs) This is awful. This is terrible. Either way, it's happening publicly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I, um, okay. Can I know some things? I know. I know. I always ask you. <laughs> but if I were to choose the first option to publicly ship myself, but like, I don't know when it's going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, is it noticeable? It's wet. It's wet. Just think about the worst diarrhea you ever had. God. It's that. And that You're has happened to me. You're going to get the full body sweats. As the... What? G-Free Banshee. No, 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 not in public. <laughs> but I'm just th- saying I've yes, had it you've before. you had some terrible, terrible... Yes. Never in public, which, no, oh man, if that's God. happened to you, I am so sorry. That must be awful. It's awful because it's one of those things that it could truly happen to anybody, but yeah. we shame the fuck out of people. That person on the plane where they had to like, what, turn yeah, the plane around? And it was an older person. Oh, Incontinence is a thing. It happens. It, it doesn't matter what age you are, but it'll happen to you when you're older. Like, come. Yeah. I also God understand it. it being a biohazard, though, because there are yes. there are things that can be highly contagious that involve diarrhea and C. diff. Yeah. Clostridium difficile. Oh, yeah. It's so contagious. Oh, man. It's awful. So I what would, do you choose? I would choose number one. Me too. I would publicly shit myself. I would just... I would wear a diaper every single day. Because that's the thing, the blessing behind the chaotic question you just fucking asked me, <laughs> God damn it, is that you know it's going to happen, you just don't know when, right? Yes, yeah. It's like asking or knowing that you're going to die, but you don't know when. Yeah. You don't know when you're going to publicly shit yourself, so wear a diaper. Yeah. Carry some poopery with you. There's a chance because... You know, it's immense and wet that the diaper won't be enough, but it's better than raunchy farting once a month. Oh, sure. I mean, I think I'd try not to let it destroy my life, but I would definitely be worried about longer working hours, not being home to take care of the business. Yeah, I think you might have to make some life adjustments. Become agoraphobic? Yeah, or Never just leave lie, my house. come up with something really tragic as to why it happens. That way no one can mock you for it. Like every time it's my grandmother died? 
No, no, I mean more like oh, I had like a, they know I that had it to happened. I give away a section of my stomach to save a child. Oh man. And so no one can mock you because you did this wonderful thing and yes. that's why you're shitting yourself once a year. Like I only have 10 feet of intestine whereas you have many more feet. Yes. Therefore things pass through my system very easily. Yes. But it happened because I was doing a good thing. Yes. You gotta it's, add a good thing. It's because I donated. Yes. I that donated all of my intestines to save orphans. <laughs> Each orphan got an inch. Oh my God. Do people donate their intestines? I don't think so. Wait, even as an organ don't? No. I don't know. I feel like intestines are something. I don't know. I Our intestines. I don't know why I'm looking at my phone. Our intestines. Our intestines, <laughs> organs is the first thing that comes up. You yes. can donate. Is it a big list or is it a short list? Because that's sad. Donors can give years off life to intestinal transplant recipients. They can be life-saving. It is often the only option left to patients who have developed serious complications from TPN and intestinal failure. Wow. That's cool. Now, the cool. real question is, can you donate intestines while you're still alive? Because that's the real question. Because yep. to be honest, I'd be willing to give, like, I would give a kidney to a stranger if it was, like, their last resort. Yep. I don't know if I'd give up my intestines. The, There's a lot of issues going on in my yes. gut already. Living donors can donate one of their kidneys, a portion of their lung, liver, pancreas, or intestine. So the only thing you can give an entirety of is that's a kidney. That's cool. Well, I was just thinking because I, like, <laughs> I remember when I got it officially put on my license that I'm an organ donor. Yeah. I was telling the man upstairs, like, take my damn eyes. I've got relatively good vision because I don't care. Oh, like, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Take, 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 all of it. I don't care. Take whatever is viable. Yep. Yeah. If my eyes are viable, take them. Yeah. I don't care. Cause I know that's kind of gruesome to some people to have your eyes missing. But when you die, I think if you, associate yourself with your body it's probably harder sure to, and to religious reasons yes. uh, and there are yeah there are, yeah there are quite a few religious reasons you know people want that intact and i i totally sure. respect that absolutely but yeah, take, i don't give a fuck what you do with my but body like, when i'm dead even if i were the kind of person that wanted to be buried whole in my body have a wake whatever like they've got these cool little eye caps with spiky things on them to you really want to come back on. from whenever everyone comes back into their bodies and you're gonna have no eyeballs you didn't think this through. What if That's I'm... That's going to be unpleasant. Aren't there like blind moles or something? <laughs> well, you are going to be a mole person, so that's perfect. Oh, human nipple person. Human nipple mole person. <laughs> I got you worse. have got a wretched afterlife yeah, waiting Yeah, now I have whiskers and super like rolly, wrinkly skin, diarrhea and buck teeth. Oh no. God. Cute little fuckers, aren't they? <laughs> Not me, but uh, <laughs> God damn. Yeah. yeah. So publicly shit. Yep. <laughs> I would pick the same one. I think that's the only option. That's a good one. E. So speaking of things brewing, this is not in our bellies. However, oh, okay. We do have something special coming for you in October. Dirtlings. A special episode will be released on October 31st. That's all we're sharing for now. But just stay tuned. <laughs> They're going to tell us to get lost. <laughs> Kick rocks. Kick rocks. It's going to be a fun special episode. So just uh, stay tuned for that. Yeah. Be sure to follow all of our socials. We are at Devil's Dirt Star on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, threads, you name it. Don't forget to check out our Patreon. And if you're super awesome and only the coolest people do this, you're going to leave us a five-star review. Yes, please. Thank you. Thanks. 
Yeah, show your support. And if there's things that you want to hear about and want us to discuss, let us know. We have a lot of interesting things planned for spooky season. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know. We're always open to new suggestions and topics. And oh my God. Yeah. I want to know what you guys want to talk about. We will talk about pretty much everything. If you haven't <laughs> figured that out already, if it's interesting enough to us, oh, yeah. this is really just a hyperfixation podcast. It is a hyperfixation podcast. It's just usually about things that are strange or, yes, you know, we're terrible. Strange. strange. We're, we're strange and terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just asked me terrible would you rathers and I love it. Or my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. anyway, so yeah, look forward to that and uh, stay dirty. Yeah, stay dirty. Bye. Bye. <laughs>